0: now back to your regular programming. If you speak better to yourself. <laughs> you showed up for like probably the dumbest conversation we've ever had on the show. Let's have that smile again. Tell me how that happens. Physically should not happen.
1: <laughs> Relax. If you say, give me,
0: uh, as well.
1: Three times
0: a day, God will light it up. It's just an absolute hack. And he gets his ass kicked by his teammates every week. It, you know, it's, it's just terrible. Welcome back to Hack City. I am Joe DeLeon. Joining me as always, my former teammate, former roommate from the University of Rhode Island, and today we've got another off-season episode. Today we are going to be breaking down the top three teams that we thought had the worst off-seasons. If you missed it, we did our top five best off-seasons. We're doing three today for this one just because uh, I had a little bit of a discourse with Sean this morning over my phrasing of it, but I was trying to say to him that if we do more than three. It feels like we're getting a little nitpicky with some of them. I was going through some of these lists and some of these offseason moves. Three really stand out to me outside of that. It gets a little bit ticky tack, uh, but we're going to get to that and a little bit more on today's show. Sean, before we get to that though, can we just uh, share with our listeners a quick word from our friends uh, over at Bet Online.
1: Yeah, we have 54 minutes, people, until uh, the last weekend of real football kicks off. Uh, uh, until it. Re-start. I love it
0: when, I love when you make a reference to something that's going to have already been completed. 54 by the time minutes. We have 54 <laughs> minutes,
1: and, and I, I specifically requested that Joe and I understand sure timelines. Understand that it, timelines that, that, that the AFC Championship game starts. So I could go downstairs afterwards, go to BetOnline AG and gamble until my heart is content, or until I get sick of, <laughs> sick of gambling and losing money. Because Justice Hill doesn't find the end zone, whatever. It's it we the Super Bowl isn't for football fans, Joe. We we've we've come to know this the more that it, it takes place. There's too much extra. This is the last weekend of real ball, so gamble on it. Do it. Sports wager. Have fun. Head to bet online today. Uh, Stay updated on all the action. Bet online. The game starts here. That's where you need to go for all of your sports gambling experiences.
0: See, if you were really on top of it and you were also like, if you had like real radio instincts, I think you would pretend that the games were over and talk about the two teams that won just completely guess. And if you were really on top of it, you would be correct in that prediction or it also, you know, I think it would have been, you know, again, good instincts. If you just guessed and then people are like, wait, that's not who won, but no, I, I get it. Thanks man. Yeah. I, I, I
1: haven't had the, I haven't had the, the vision yet today. So I genuinely, I think it's going to be Ravens Niners, uh, which okay. is frustrating for all the TikTok tock predictions. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's,
0: if it's chiefs lions either. Is there anything worse than TikTok sports content. I don't it's mind pretty bad. I don't mind clips. I don't mind like people cutting clips from shows and re-airing those. Cause I do that. And like, I like the part of my take clips that, that pop up in my feed and stuff or interviews. But when you see these like 20 year old kids that somehow got 75,000 followers and they're just saying shit, man, like I, I genuinely, they've never strapped up a helmet. They've never run out onto the field. People get mad all the time on Twitter. And they do th- they do it to me. They say it to me, and, and a lot of other people are like, oh, this guy's never played before. The TikTok demographic of TikTok analysts is easily the worst demo of people out there. Well, it's because it's
1: frat dudes in their parents' basement in the summer, and you always yep. know. A- a- as someone who has done, who was who has crafted plenty of of content and podcasts and made production in my parents' basement, uh, I'm well aware of what the background looks like. So when I see someone just continue to keep walking around instead of staying still and I just see this lavish basement it's not theirs it's their parents they think they're gonna make it big uh in July and come back the big uh swinging dick uh when school starts up again they're not they're dopes they're losers we are uh the elite Joe and I so make sure to uh to remember that whenever you're scrolling through yes, your sports media yes. content we're,
0: we're better than everybody else is the important thing to remember before we get into this I know he People get mad sometimes when we banter before the content, which is why we shifted the, the approach of doing this show uh, a little bit. I saw one guy was not getting any videos on his views, but he does not fit the normal demo of what we're talking about. He was like in his mid to late 30s. Um, had looked like he took his phone and put it on top of like a staircase. So his phone was like looking down on him. And he w- had nothing in his hands, and he was talking up into the camera. And I, I, I didn't. I was. I keep thinking about this man, and I keep forgetting like, to tell you about it. Like this, like, like even high, even higher than that, even higher than. So that. So he's talking up. Yes! like Yes, yes, he was doing it exactly <laughs> crazy, like that. This is a crazy way to do this. This is. I bad. wish I saved the video. <laughs> this is bad.
1: That is a bad he was, camera. He was talking
0: video. about the NBA, and I was like. This has to be either one of the worst or one of the most creative production decisions I have ever seen in my goddamn life. Like my full disclosure, my day-to-day is because I work with so many hosts on Believe as a producer. It's reaching out and saying like, hey, man, fix your framing, fix your framing, fix your framing. And I've never seen somebody do that before is it and i kind of like it i kind like
1: of hold on now i didn't like that uh is it is it like pov you're talking to an nba player about the game no no is that no no he, this is this, this the guy makes would, sense
0: that's this guy, way. no followers, no instincts, nothing. Just set his phone down really high up and was talking off. <laughs> that's, <laughs> not the, the
1: that's not the method, brother. I'm sorry. There's some, you know, people make content decisions and, 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 you know, creative decisions that I don't always agree with, but there's some tried and true methods and looking straight into the camera is one of them.
0: God, I, I think that's going to ruin my money. day. I've be thinking about that all time. That is one of the most cre- – not good creative, just creative decisions I've ever seen because no one will ever <laughs> replicate that or decide to do that again. Sorry, we're getting distracted here. You know what, you're going to spawn,
1: right, after you talk, you're gonna You're going to create an undershot uh, now of, of guys talking sports.
0: No, because I, I see those all the time. The undershot I get all the time because people don't know how to frame. Like, for example, our Patriots show, not to put Chris Hogan on blast, but like every time he records, we have to like say, like, hey, Chris, can you please reframe? Because he shoots like he's like he's like this when oh, he's
1: shooting. I, I so was he's like really about, low. I, I know what you're
0: saying, but it's really similar.
1: You're telling me Chris Hogan starts his shows like this.
0: No, not like that. Not like that. But just like really low down. So you can you can't even see his neck. It's just his head.
1: This is the future right here. I think
0: this is how we have no, to start doing the show. No, no, it's not. All right. Not. Let's, um, Let's let's get into it. <laughs> All right. Top three teams that we think had the worst off seasons and to clarify and kind of set this up. Not coming to the table here immediately saying, like, this team's effed. This team is going to have a terrible 2024. There's obviously time for them to rectify with the spring transfer portal window. There's plenty of time for um, you know them to do the necessary work over the offseason. We also know that there's guys on these rosters that could be budding stars that we haven't even seen play yet. So there's plenty of time for recovery. But with all of these teams that have done amazing things, spent the money, hired great head coaches, assistant coaches – All of those that we've seen, there's been a few that are supposed to be up to this national standard that haven't really done the right things, made the necessary moves to stay relevant. My first one, everyone's shocked, Sean is shocked, is USC. Mm. I have established myself here as a little bit of a USC hater. I don't care, but if we're pulling back the bias and we're evaluating this, we need to recognize that what USC did this offseason – was not great did they make improvements did they make some moves that are going to help them yes did they go and hire one of the best and most underrated defensive coordinators in the country in Deanton lynn absolutely he did an amazing job this past year at ucla with good talent but not like elite level talent he was able to get the most out of a group of just well-rounded guys that weren't the typical five stars that we see playing football in los angeles that was the replacement for um, uh, Alex Grinch, which anybody is better than Alex Grinch. Correct. They also, however, lost Damani Jackson, who is a very talented corner recruit. They lost Malachi Nelson, who, depending on who you talk to, USC fans think he was a bust, and Taka Curtis, uh, Curtis who was a talented linebacker who's going to Wisconsin, who, again, has been labeled as a bust. Their overall, overall recruiting also did not go that great. They finished past the top 15 range on most platforms. They did not get the top players within the state of California. And I think also now we can bring up that Julian Sayin and Malachi Nelson ended up leaving that Julian Sayin was somebody that one would have argued would have made a lot of sense ending up at USC. I just think that for Lincoln Riley to turn this thing around, I would have loved to see more of a commitment to one adding elite players in the portal to fix their defensive line and their secondary and also on top of that, to bolster their recruiting class with some of the top players of California. I see what Brian Kelly's doing right now, where he said, I'm going to put a fence around Louisiana and we're just going to recruit all of these top kids. You can't try to recruit nationally at USC. I don't think that you need to really do that. You, or Sorry, let me rephrase. If you try to start recruiting nationally, you're going to be treading water. You need to put a fence around Southern California. You need to recruit San Diego. You need to recruit Los Angeles. You need to recruit recruit those surrounding areas because there is a hotbed of talent that is escaping the state. The more of those guys that want to come and stay and play there, the more important that and, and more established your program will be in uh, Los Angeles. There's never really an excuse for USC to
1: lose out on any transfers from Los Angeles or or, or Southern California. There's not. They, they should be getting everybody that they want from that area typically if you have 100 dudes right uh that grow up uh that could play uh in in that recruiting bed a couple of them are just like yeah i just want to get away i want to get out yeah get get say five out of that hundred 95 they're growing up they see the hometown team they see the team's good they want to represent their city their state their family at the where everyone can come see them and they've just the USC has lost tons of recruiting battles that they shouldn't have, keeping them mediocre. And and I I don't see a change. I don't see a change. They, this should have been an offseason where it's like USC is really taking it seriously. Instead of now, everyone's like, I guess maybe, maybe Lincoln Riley's just taking it easy out there. And maybe he's punched out. He might am I'm, I'm it's kind of crazy for me to call a coach punched out on January 28th right. but the, the the there's not enough proof of effort coming from USC for me to think that they're on the upwards uh, of momentum
0: to just quickly add before you give your third the 2024 recruiting class for me is really concerning and for some reason if you bring up the fact that the top 10 guys on 247 sports opted to go play in a completely different state there is this level of denial from USC fans that think that, oh, those aren't the guys that we typically recruit or the guys that we need. It's a really weird philosophy, but Julian Sayan ends up going to Alabama, um, transferring to Ohio State. Zabian Brown committed to Alabama. Aiden Breland, uh, Oregon. Kingston, Viamu Asa, Notre Dame. Brandon Baker, Texas. Nate Frazier, Georgia. Eugene Brooks, Oklahoma. Jericho Johnson, Oregon. Dakota fields, Oregon, like all of these guys are going well out of the state and the top player that they got from California was a four star wide receiver, Xavier Jordan. So again, there's just not a commitment to trying to build through guys that have pride from being from Southern California. No,
1: it doesn't seem like it at all. Uh, I, 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 not a lot of positive momentum coming out of USC right now, at least from my eyes. Ah, uh, my number. Uh, my number three team here. Uh, I have Florida. Florida has been in rough shape. They are just going into the off season, Two losing seasons under Napier. Uh, lost the fan base, and they lose a bunch of high impact players to inter SEC teams. Brad Shepard tracked a lot of this stuff uh, really well for Bleacher Report. Trevor Etienne going to Georgia. Uh, Princely Uman Mielin, uh, Ole Miss. Jaden Hill going to Texas A&M. Linebacker Scooby Williams, Texas A&M. Losing offensive lineman of Florida State. Uh, another offensive line of Kentucky. They're just, they're bleeding players. And Joe, let's tack on a, a brand new offseason uh investigation for florida doubling back into the jade uh. Rashada controversy we're missing it all they're not doing anything right right now they they brought in a, I think a pretty talented defensive lineman from princeton that gets people fired up but you can't have two back-to-back losing seasons losing your impact players to other sec teams and now you're involved in some NCAA investigation about a failed NIL project when it just opened up. So nothing is saying Florida is taking this seriously or they have leadership going in the right direction. This is a bad offseason for Florida. They're reeling. I mean, the ship is sinking and they can keep trying to plug it, but the ship needs to be rebuilt. The, the, I don't think they can win with this right now. They can't. It's a bad offseason.
0: Uh, Joey Slackman is the player you're talking about. He came from UPenn. Oh, my bad. A a quick, uh, yep, Florida fans love to correct people. Uh, You're very brave for throwing Florida in here because Florida fans are easily some of the most aggressive. So, sorry, Florida fans already. They were number four for me. Uh, I also think another added layer for this, there were a couple of guys that on signing day that other teams like Auburn and other programs, Georgia, that then picked up the phone to go and steal some of those players. So they, they were doing really well in recruiting and then they kind of lost a couple top prospects. The only reason why I didn't put them in my top three was because they secured and got DJ Lagway to come, who is a very, very talented quarterback prospect. And I believe that that writes the ship. Is Billy Napier the guy who's actually coaching him? Probably not. <laughs> if we're being realistic for what you just talked about, this roster is not really in a win now position, but I, I don't disagree with that one. Number two for me, Sean, really quick here, Oregon state. Oh, they was all. Was that all? Oh, they were just on the bubble for Uh-oh. me.
1: God, Joe. Oh, I didn't know you had it in you.
0: Look, this isn't even a circumstance of, wow, they're being lazy and they're not doing a good job. It's, damn man. They got cooked by a bunch of shit that they couldn't control. They catch a break they, they're, they they're, they, catch a uh, damn break Joe. This is, this is like your one buddy who loses his job and then oh. his girlfriend breaks up with him. And then know like he's got to move back in with his parents and you're just like hey man what can i do to help and he's just checked out for a oh really it sounds
1: like you know what i'm not going (laughs) to draw this back i'm not going to draw some specific details but if a specific if a date doesn't go well this week for me i might be that's not you but no no no
0: no no that's not you at all that's absolutely not you stop (laughs) i have a specific friend though that is that you know that did go through something like this. I also I didn't I know mean, if revolving. I was that friend that you were describing. No, just now. no, no. You're not. You're not this down bad. You're not this down bad. Um, Oregon State, though, with everything that happened with the conference to where now they're playing in the pack Two. nobody wants them. No, Nobody clearly wants them. That's all the reports were, were that nobody wants Oregon State and Washington, which is so demoralizing that Washington that is state. their current state. Washington State. Sorry. Yeah. They also lose their head coach now because of the circumstances, the uncertainty of the conference, meaning what does that mean for for resources? What does that mean for his his contract? The amount of money he's going to be making every single year. He goes to a better situation at Michigan State. They also lose one of the most talented recruits that they've ever gotten in Aiden Childs, quarterback, who's now going to Michigan State with Jonathan Smith. They promoted Trent Bray which just feels like not a bad hire but just a little bit of a you know we just wanted to keep this thing rolling and see if we can build on the momentum I I don't know if this is going to be a hire that totally works out the future for them is so bleak it it's it's horrible and I have to put them on here I'm sorry Oregon State I'm rooting for you to figure it out man I'm rooting for my buddy who who moved back into his parents his parents house to figure it out and I'm here you know anything you need Oregon State I'm here for you But, man, you are down bad as shit right now.
1: Yeah, Oregon State, you know, them and uh, the Pac-2, they won the rights to the Pac-12, which was a win for them, but that was in-season. Now we're in the off-season looking at it. It's rough. Losing quarterback of the future and coach of the future that made you very competitive in the Pac-12, that hurts. Jonathan Smith, I think, is a good coach. He's a little bit – the Pac-12 this past year put out some robots. Jonathan Smith is kind of in that camp. Uh, I'm glad you included them uh, in a in a kind of not their own fault, but we have to acknowledge yeah. it. That co- that correlates with my number two, Michigan, Michigan. Uh, and I, I and I know recency I like of, of hiring like of getting Sharon Moore, who's a very talented uh, coach, to lead them, step up, fill that. Good, that's good. They lost the best coach in college football this year, and they lost. A massive, talented class. and most to the draft, most to the NFL. Which again, not their fault. But how are you going to replace all the meaties up front? How are you going to replace the running backs, the the quarterback? You you they lost everybody, Joe. They're losing defensive vets. This is a a no fault of their own, rough replacement. There's too many impact dudes, Michigan did everything right this year, and unfortunately, after you win the World Series, you're going to lose three of those World Series starters. It's a natural part of the sport, and unfortunately for Michigan also, the way that the scheduling is set up, they're getting hurt, and they're late to the party for winning it all. And if we want to create, call that a a parity benefit for the sport, you can call it that. I think it's some good old-fashioned shafting. Uh, just by the, the the decision makers, the schedule needs to get cleaned up. If it was Michigan, wouldn't be on this list because I think they would have been back on the horse. Harbaugh decision comes whenever it is, but they're more prepared for it. So right now, sitting in Michigan, looking at it, I, not as good, not that good of an off season. Looking through it,
0: there is one variable that will make me agree with you that we might not know for a couple of months. If the ncaa investigation and the punishment comes down this offseason and it is severe then i am in the same boat with you and i agree with it but the only reason why i disagree with you yes losing a guy who just won you a national championship is is going to be detrimental and losing jesse minner is going to be difficult for you to recover from he's a tremendously gifted defensive coordinator sharon moore is a little bit of a question mark but i love him and i think that he is going to be a great head coach i think that i can't put them anywhere on this list though because they're one of the few teams that loses their head coach and nobody entered the portal. Nobody. Like, n- nobody even is, unless something could come down in the next week, nobody's considered leaving. So that's the only reason why, like, I I, I mean, I had the of putting Alabama on here, but I don't think I would because Kalen DeBoer is still a good hire and they still were able to retain some pieces.
1: They're also not, and doing they got a, brought, brought in. They're talent. also not doing a ton in the portal, though, Joe. In the to Michigan, well, they're, they're not the t- really a portal team. I got you, but in the twenty four seven rankings, they're seventeenth in the new Big Ten. The only team behind them is Northwestern.
0: They're they're more of a recruit and develop. I know they team. are.
1: I, I I got you, and I have a lot more thoughts on it when it comes to my number one. Uh, this is it, I just think that it's significant enough. It's the punishment for being that good, and. I'm going to acknowledge they were that good. And and because they were, I'm going to acknowledge that losing this much talent is not
0: good for them. I know who your number one is, and I'm regretting not making them my number okay, one. Yeah. It's Clemson, and I wish I did uh, Clemson's number one. My number one, though, is uh, I, I, not. Why are you burning my number one? Let's at least get to right. my number one then if we're before you
1: spoil yours.
0: No, 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 okay, no, no. Let's just look. We'll, we'll get to it in a sec because mine's really simple. Like I'd rather spend more time on Clemson. That's I, I want to. UCLA is my number one. Um, I mean, they got cooked. Yeah, Uh, they got carved up. Chip Kelly comes back, which I don't mind. I think that Chip Kelly's the ceiling of what they're going to get at as a head coach. But DeAnton Lynn losing, as I mentioned earlier, tough loss. I would hope that he has up-and-coming assistant coaches that can replace him. But they also lose Dante Moore, who's one of the more gifted quarterback recruits in a long time that has chosen to play. At UCLA looked pretty bright, but didn't really fit in the offense at times. That sucks that they're losing him. They only signed ten total twenty twenty four recruits. Very underwhelming, uninspired group. I I don't really know how they're going to fill some of their holes. They're losing a few players, including the Murphy, one of the Murphy twins, or maybe both both of them, who are two of their better defensive players to the NFL. Um, And most of the guys that they had in the portal were like backup guys at cal and notre dame and and um and like ivy league guys that just weren't really key contributors that yes were recruited highly but i don't really know if they're gonna get a ton out of them yes does it make sense to to go to blue chip rosters and try to bring those players in yeah it makes plenty of sense good good roster building technique but a lot of question marks man this thing could really start to fall apart really quickly and we could see chip kelly uh out and looking for a job at the end of the year yeah UCLA is uh, similar to
1: USC uh, you just can't do football in LA you just can't do it there's too much other good stuff going on it's not a much it's not it's not enough of a focus it's it's I just don't think in today's world football in LA works well enough it doesn't Uh. so yeah. so that that they're fitting my number one Clemson it's it's too much And, and the too much is the not doing enough and Dabo Swinney's rejection of transfer portal usage is still staggering. As much as I respect it, I have to acknowledge that it's not the right call and that's fine. I I think that what he's doing is admirable. You want to teach the values of perseverance in a program, cultivating a team, developing a brotherhood, doing all the things that every coach wants to do. You're so stubborn to do it that way. You want to do it. That's your own way to do it. I kind of respect it. But to utilize the transfer portal so little with the abundance of talent that Clemson has to, to pot, in, in the new era, it doesn't work. Joe, this doesn't work for them. There's too many guys that would go to Clemson and start and make an impact and turn their whole season around in the ACC that if Clemson just picked up the phone, they would have two more wins a year, but they don't pick up the phone, and it's costing them wins, and it's bleeding, fa- I don't know if it's bleeding fans, it, it, it's bleeding possible performance and potential, which draws the ire of fans more than just a bad performance. Knowing you could be better, and you opt not to be, because of a, a, a you don't agree with the times, is going to crush your program eventually. Mm. The fans will not put up with it, They can't. And eventually the administration won't put up with it. And Dabo's going to be gone. And then he's going to coach Texas tech into a powerhouse or something like that. It's Texas
0: tech won't work. They're big on big on money. money. I know. know, 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 know.
1: He's going to go revolutionize some other program because he's a gifted coach and I'm not going to deny it. He can build a culture uh, like the best of them, but the, the, the refusal to utilize a tool, due to
0: stubbornness and pride, kind of based, kind of dumb. I think it's more dumb than based. Now I think you hit the nail on the head here with everything with, with Dabo. I've, haven't, man, I haven't – man, I just can't think of a more gradual regression for a program than what we've seen from Clemson in the last 10 years. They're just slowly, slowly losing the caliber of elite recruits that they used to bring in. They're slowly losing out on some of the guys that are on the roster that are deciding to go elsewhere after they've been there for a couple of years. Like I look at the fact that, well, one, they're losing Nate Wiggins to the NFL draft, who is their best player. Uh, Andrew Makuba, who is a talented safety, is transferring to Texas. Toriano Pride, who is their other talented corner, is going to Missouri, and then they lost their best receiver on a team that has no receivers in Bo Collins that is uh, going to Notre Dame. They have been picked apart and they have made no effort to refill it all. So I agree with you. I just, it's, it's so horrible that Dabo has been stuck. And I don't even know if, if like this off season was stubbornness, like I don't even, or just apathy. I don't, I don't know what his deal is. It's so interesting
1: over the last two off seasons to see the polar opposites of Florida state and Clemson. It's so interesting because Florida state in two years, turn themselves into a, a powerhouse, end-of-year competitor. Clemson has remained a team that can keep it tight with Florida State. They kept it tight with FSU last year, but that gap continues to widen. And I, I, I is it crazy enough to say, Joe, if Clemson doesn't become a powerhouse again or doesn't become very competitive again, the ACC likely crumbles this off? It has to. Because where's the value? Yeah. There has to be two yeah. teams. And if Clemson continues on that track, then it will kill college football.
0: They, if they have a bad year and Florida State wins the conference again, Florida State then is justified in saying, we're leaving, we're out, nobody can compete with us. Then who's the savior? And then they Lu-
1: Louisville is the savior, hopefully, for the ACC. And,
0: Who and, is and, it? And I, honestly, a layer of this, too, that doesn't get discussed often is that Miami's probably going to try and tag along of with, course. They'll be the Oklahoma Florida state. So we'll see what happens this off season, but nonetheless, three teams, bad off seasons. Uh, We'll be back later on this week. Stay tuned for more. Hit that subscribe button. Drop a comment below. If you think we missed a team, let us know in the comments who you think we missed, uh, or if you disagree with us, which people always do um, feel free to let us know in the comments at Joe DeLeon at Sanderson radio, five-star review, wherever you tune in on your podcast would be much appreciated. We'll be back with more. Enjoy the rest of your week.